This is the 18th season of Bass Talk Live. With your host, Matt Pangrad. BTL is brought to you by Lorance, Bass Cat Boats, AFCO, Strike King Lures, Sunline, Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, and Pro Guide Batteries. PTL, coming at ya! Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live where we are going to talk about bass fishing. Got a really good show today. Long overdue uh, guest on the show who is having an incredible season on, uh, well had an incredible season on the uh, Major League Fishing Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit. Just wrapped that up in a lot of single digits uh, next to his name there. Three top three finishes uh, on that tour with a ninth place finish in the Angler of the Year. And then so far, three single-digit finishes also on the BPT in his rookie season and currently sitting in seventh in the Angler of the Year race with one stage left in Minnesota. That'll be a fun one. That'll be a fun one to see how that goes down up there with those big small mouth with large mouth play. Of course, we were talking about none other than... Uh, Dakota Ebert, and let's bring Dakota in here. Hey, man, thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on BTL. You bet, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, all, all right. We're going to do full disclosure here. Recorded show, I'm currently up at uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin for a media event, uh, and and we uh, we tried to knock this out yesterday, and we were 0 for 5. We had five, five attempts at the show, and literally after like two hours, we were just like, you want to just stop and give her a shot the next Let's day because I wanted it to be fresh. And I, I was made a joke. I said, man, I said, uh, this is probably the first thing that hasn't gone right for you in 2022 relating to fishing. Uh, dude, you are on an incredible hot streak across all the platforms that you fished this year. And you got a lot of people in the fishing industry and fans and people across that are like, dude, Dakota's on fire. Man, it's uh, it really has been a great year, and uh, extremely thankful for the way things have gone. You know, um, it's it's it hasn't been an overnight process. You know, I've graduated from college in 2017, and I've been working really hard ever since then, and really dedicated myself to to the industry and and to getting better every day. And so, it hasn't been an overnight success story, but um, I've really enjoyed the process, and and, and glad to see where it's going. Uh, you. You were a collegiate angler, too, for a number of years, too. And I find it interesting because as you look at the uh, top ranks, I don't believe Jacob Wheeler fished uh, collegiately, uh, and I don't think Brandon Polinick did either. But but as far as there's a whole group of guys that are now in their late 20s, early to mid-30s that grew up when college fishing was uh, – was was big it was growing big remember andrew upshaw first guy to go to the the classic through there i believe that was what mm-hmm. 2012 somewhere around there maybe even earlier yeah. than that but you are among that group of guys who are dominating and there's a there's a university next to the name too uh no is doubt. this always no has this always been your goal your 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 plan since fishing collegiately yeah, uh, I made the decision there in my, you know, before I started my last semester of my senior year, 
I said, all right, this is uh, this is going too good, um, and I really need to try to ride this momentum out to the next level. I just, I was looking at guys like Jordan Lee and stuff that were fresh out of college, you know, winning the classic and stuff. And I thought, man, maybe that could be me one day. And like, I need to use these opportunities while I have them. I felt like if I left there, if I got out of college and went to work somewhere, you know, and didn't stay in the industry and stay working towards that, riding that momentum out that I might miss my opportunity. And at a young age being, I think, you know, I was at 24, 25 years old at that age. I didn't have any other responsibilities at that time. I didn't have uh, really anything to my name <laughs> other than a boat and a truck. And I felt like that was my opportunity. That was my time to try to make it work, whether rather than get down the road where you have a family and responsibilities and house payments and all of those things. Uh, that, that just makes it that much harder to manage the finances of getting started. Uh, I've been doing this way too long now. So you were in high school when Jordan was in college? No, I graduated high school in 2010. I went to community college in Baton Rouge for two years, okay. graduated from there, and I went to LSU for a year. That really wasn't for me. Um, Did you party too, much, too much? It was too much fun at LSU. <laughs> I know, I that place always yeah, looks like a crazy I, place. It's, it's a great place. I love it. It just um, – I was actually really wanting to – I was actually rodeoing a lot of the time. and, and Oh, uh, really? Texas, yeah, like Texas seemed like the place for me to be, so I transferred to Tarleton State University there. I got on the rodeo team there, and there's really a reason why I moved. And then uh, I met some guys on the college fishing team there and got to be friends with them, started fishing the college tournaments, and the rest is history. But uh, so I, I didn't get out there until 2014. I went to Tarleton for three years and finished up my bachelor's degree. And during that time is when I actually started fishing at the college level. Okay. Dude, I didn't realize that. Were you a roper or what was your? No, I was a bullfighter. Yeah, I, I rode bulls for a while, wasn't real good at it, and I realized I was better at fighting bulls. At least I could get paid and get ran over instead of just not getting paid at all. <laughs> okay, so have you talked with Jay Brainerd? He's fished the, the tour before and a little bit. I fished the Elite Series, too, but he was a big-time bullfighter, too. Yeah, I actually never met him. I, I, I mean, I knew of him uh, through rodeo and through um, through fishing, but actually he was, a, you know, I actually never have met him. But, yeah, I heard, I heard about it, you know, him, that he was – involved in rodeo and fishing and stuff. So I think there's a lot of like characteristics that you can take from rodeo and apply to fishing. It's a lot, a lot of the same, you know, I talk to some of my rodeo buddies almost every day and they're off traveling and going from rodeo to rodeo. And it's really a lot of the same mentality that I've taken into the fishing industry going from tournament to tournament. It's one of the reasons why, you know, I felt comfortable going to as many tournaments as I did because if I wasn't doing that, I would be rodeo and I'd be going from rodeo to rodeo every week. So it would be, you know, it's kind of the same mentality. You've got to work hard and it's a, you know, it's a, it, it has a lot of similarities between the two. I, uh, I did not realize that my, uh, girlfriend actually went to Tarleton state and was on the barrel racing team there. Oh yeah. No, people yeah, come so from all over the we country. were just down there a couple of weeks ago. She had to take her horse down there. So I actually went through like the university and stuff where she used to go. Yeah. And- that's, That's cool. It's changed a lot. I know it's, it's growing really fast, but people come from all over the country to rodeo there. They have one of the best rodeo teams in the country. I had friends from California, from Florida, from New York, and everywhere in between that all went to school at Tarleton to rodeo. And so that's why I moved there because of that rodeo program. Mm. And it turns out that, you know, we ended up even having a, a really good, we ended up having a good fishing team. And it, it, it was really uh, a lot of fun. And 
Uh, we were fortunate enough to have a lot of success, went to some national championships, and it just seemed like um, I was like, man, if this is my chance, man, we're going to have one to you know, fulfill my dream of fishing professionally, like this is it. Because as it, at a young age, you know, I, I've, I've been fishing since I could walk. I mean, my mom had me in a little bouncing thing in the bottom of her boat whenever, mm-hmm. you know, I was an infant. And um, I, I was casting the same time I started walking, I think. And, and you know, growing up watching the Bassmasters on, on ESPN and stuff, like I looked at that and said, man, it'd be so cool to do that someday. But I was so far from that. Like I had no idea how to do that or anything like that outside of high school i started fishing tournaments and stuff whenever my mom started letting me take her boat about the time i was able to graduate or right before i graduated from high school started fishing local tournaments and stuff but um i I had some early success just fishing locally around the house but i immediately realized that there was no way for me to bridge the financial gap to go to the next level and then it really kind of discouraged me and so, um, you know, I was in college and stuff. I didn't have the money to continue fishing at that time. And it was like, man, I, I don't, if I can't put everything into it and, and to do it the way that I want to do it, then I don't want to do it at all. And it kind of discouraged me. And I got away from it for a few years until I was able to, you know, meet those guys at Tarleton and start fishing at the college level. I started fishing as a co-angler for the first, like, year, um, in those college tournaments, I, you know, I was fishing with other guys in their boat and stuff. And, and then it, you know, we had some success. And by that time I'd owned a couple of different vehicles and stuff. I'd built up just enough credit to go to the lady at the bank there and beg her to finance me 15 grand for an old Ranger. Really? And she, uh, uh, she did. I, I mean, and that was such a big deal. I mean, I can think back to that day right there buying, I bought an O3 Ranger 520 and, um, you know, a guy, it had been sitting in a guy's shop forever. And he, he, uh, let it go. You know, he sold it to me for a pretty good price. And I begged that lady at the bank, like, please, like, I swear I won't miss any payments. I know I don't have any credit. Like, just please, you know, like, and she did. And I, you know, and I was able to make like a $250 a month payment on that boat. And, uh, that was what started everything right there. That was it. How long did you fish out of that boat for? I fished out of it for, uh, two years, I believe. Um, until I graduated and when I graduated, I went back to that same lady and was like, look, you know, this fishing thing's going really good. Can you please finance me for this new boat? You know, I was like, I was, I bought a, uh, a ZX 250, uh, Skeeter, you know, I, and, and that was like, I, I think I had to beg her more for that, that one than I did the other one. But I was like, look, I haven't missed any payments on that, on this one. Like I won't miss any payments on this one. Just please. And she did, uh, she ended up, you know, let me finance that boat and, and I, that was a like I said that was in 2017 when I was graduating is when I got that boat and um, I fished out of it for a year and a half put like 800 hours on it resold it and then just went from one another but it just goes to show like man you don't have to have like a huge pocketbook to like yes you do like you have you just have to know how to manage your your resources and your money you know like if you can slowly build your credit up enough to afford a boat like or to get that get finance for one it's a 400 500 a month boat like you don't have to have a freaking brand new like per you know boat with mm-hmm. you know five graphs on it and stuff guys all, all the time say well i can't afford a boat well you go to the bar and you spend 400 dollars a freaking week at the bar on beer and stuff you know what i'm are you let's just say <laughs> that's you spend- what happened at lsu isn't it <laughs> <laughs> let's just say 
well, we're gonna stay out of that because well, we did have a lot of fun. I do love LSU. For sure, I, I, let's say that you know you spend a hundred dollars a week at the bar, or you dip, you know, and you spend a hundred dollars a week on freaking tobacco and stuff. I mean, you add that up, that's a boat payment at the end of the month, you know. Yeah. So there's ways to go about doing things, man. But uh, it's been a crazy ride. It's been a, a heck of an experience, and I'm just trying to enjoy it and ride it out and do the best I can, you know. Okay, so I didn't realize all this was so compacted together. You're talking 17, 16, 17, 18, and all that. So you yeah. you started going, uh, you went really hard into the uh, Toyota series, then started in right. 17, and fishing BFLs and fishing local and regional stuff. So right off the bat, you understood the importance of time on the water. Absolutely, man. I mean, that, there's no way to go around it. Like there's no, you, you can, you can watch all the YouTube videos you want. There's so much awesome content out there. There's so much, uh, available resources for anglers. And I encourage everyone to take advantage of those. Cause I spent a many a nights during that first year, especially watching the Bass University and watching podcasts and watching YouTube videos that other anglers posted. I spent so much time learning as much as I could from the internet, but it does not replace time on the water. And then went to, I'm on your profile. I did not realize this. So starting in 19, so you've been on the, you've fished four years of the uh, pro circuit. The, yeah, I fished, so I fished two years of, of Toyota series, and then I qualified in two, at the end of 2018, and I got on the tour in 2019. And then for the last, this, is, this was the conclusion of my fourth year on the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit, and, and this is my first year on the Bass Pro Tour. But, dude, 27th, 14th, 10th, and 9th, like, those are really, really strong angler of the year finishes. I would have to say before this year, you've probably flown under the radar a little bit. Do you feel Do you feel that way? I mean, I'm looking at your Toyota series and top 10s and money, money earned, and uh, definitely, I mean, definitely a little bit under the radar as far as a solid angler. You look at your earnings, 40,000, 54, 43,000, and then uh, you popped the top five in the Toyota championship, 30,000, uh, 12, uh, uh, eighth in the championship in 2021. Like you have been able to maximize uh, your investment, I guess, as far as, yeah. as keeping it, keeping it rolling through just tournament earnings alone. It, I mean, I've been very fortunate. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, it could have went, it could have went one way or the other. You know, I, I invested everything into this and I mean, there's been a lot of times over the years where I, I was out of money and it just, you, you get all of a sudden you get a top five or a top 10 here and all of a sudden it just bumps you back up. And I've met the right people on the way that that first year that I qualified for the tour, I was fortunate enough to pick up a great title sponsor, uh, just a friend of a friend, you know, that said, Hey, mm -hmm. this kid's been working his butt off. You should meet him, set up a meeting landed that title sponsorship so there's a lot of breaks along the way but as far as that goes i mean you know it's you know people tell you all the time you can't make no money bass fishing well i mean i i know that i didn't have any money when i started this and it's it's been it's been good to me it really has and i'm very 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 thankful for that because like i said it could have went either way but just to just to people to keep shooting guys dreams down saying this is not worth investing in it's not true i'm sitting mm -hmm. in a place here that i was fortunate enough to buy at sam rayburn uh last year that's fishing money man like the dream and the possibility of success is out there you just gotta go get it you know and uh it, it's happened rather quickly like you know you say flying under the radar you know yeah i kind of felt that way at times but i'm not worried about that like 
to me, that wasn't my focus. That wasn't the drive behind going to all those events. I just want to do the best that I can do. And I feel like the rest will fall on, you know, the sponsors and all that stuff will come. I, I'm not, I haven't been real big on my social media presence and stuff mm-hmm. because I've honestly been, I've been, I've been spending more time focusing on catching bass. And I felt like with the, if I have more success in tournaments, people will inevitably follow me. They will want to see my content. My following will grow. The sponsorships will grow. But I felt like I needed to focus everything I had on being successful on the water. And so that probably led to me flying a little bit under the radar, so to speak. But that didn't bother me. Like, I'm not really worried about all that. Like, I don't, if I stay under the radar, it's okay. As long as I can keep catching bass, I'm okay with it. It, And as long as I represent the people that do sponsor me well, then I'm okay with it. And you're obviously not not afraid of, of risk because of the bullfighting too i mean and and also the more people i talk to like we've, i've got a couple of listeners who are are like rodeo announcers and kind of understand that game and yeah. talked to a bunch of people just over the years being at hundreds of rodeos and it seems like there's a definite parallel like probably the closest thing to fishing is the independent contractor in in a rodeo whether you're a bull rider a team rope or a yeah. tie down barrel racer like you're investing in yourself with a lot of back-end expenses I guess bullfighting probably doesn't have as much as, you know, if you have to have a horse there or anything, no, but you're I, still, I, I, it's very yeah, similar, isn't it? Yeah. I compare it a lot of times to like a calf roper, you know, because yeah. it's a, it's a deal where they have a ton of traveling expense. Um, horses expensive, boats are expensive, uh, boat upkeeps expensive, vet bills are real expensive, uh, <laughs> feeds expensive, fuels expensive. But at the end of the day, all of that, it, it comes down to, you got to be willing to risk it. Okay, because whenever you leave your house, whether you're going rodeo for the year or you're going fish for the year, you're not guaranteed a paycheck other than maybe some sponsor dollars. So you've got to have the mentality: I'm going to hustle. I'm going to work as hard as I can, and um, you know you can't let the little things deter you. You can't be worrying about what other people think or what other people say you should do or shouldn't do. You've got to. Everybody walks a different path, right? I mean, we all have different financial paths, different lives, different responsibilities. You've got to make a, a, a business plan for what it's going to take for you to be successful and go do it. And um, there is a lot of similarities between the rodeo side and the fishing side. But I think one of the biggest advantages or the biggest similarities is like the mental mentality it takes to be gone all year and to be and to stay focused and to hustle, you know, and to just kind of I said it on stage the other day, kind of have that cowboy up attitude where like, Man, sometimes things are going to go wrong. You're going to have bad tournaments. You're going to have bad days. You're going to be at times where you're not going to have a lot of money, and you're going to be stressed out about that. But you've got to just keep going, keep working hard, and just know that trust the process, I should say. Yeah, I've mentioned this on the show before. I had a conversation one time with Timmy Horton, uh, who is retiring uh, at the end Mm -hmm. of this year. Uh, and we were on the water, and I was doing some filming with him on St. Clair, and he was kind of reminiscing back to the his uh, rookie years, like those first couple years where he came on and just absolutely tore it up. Uh, and he said that he 
he said it was such a one track mind back then that he would remember if he like didn't catch him at an event, it would he would be physic he could physically feel ill because he wanted to get back on the water and learn and yep. compete and get to the next event so bad. He said it was unhealthy. He said it was not, but he said that is what he thought drove him to those early years of success. He said it was just an unwavering desire to get back on the water and learn more or continue the success that he had. And it's something that you can't force. Yeah. You can't force yourself to feel that way. Is that kind of where you are right now? I would say to the T, I haven't had anybody describe me to me as, as well as you probably did just then. Like, and for, for better or for worse. And I'm, I mean, I, I mean that like, you know, at times I think about, man, I haven't, I haven't talked to my mom as much as I should, or I haven't uh, visited my family as much as I should or whatever, but it's like, I have wrapped myself up so much in, in being, you know, successful in this. Like it, at times you, you catch yourself kind of like almost being, you know, it, it's a, it's gotta be, I think that way to, to be successful whenever you start from nothing, like you have to absolutely wrap yourself up in this and, and it be the focus of your life, I think, to start from scratch. You know, there's other ways to go about doing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's guys that have had very successful businesses and in other industries. They get to a point where that business is stable. It's got a stable income. They're able to support their family and they can ease into the fishing side of things. But for a guy straight out of college with no other responsibilities other than himself, paying a couple bills, like that's what I had to do, I felt like, to be successful. And I felt that same way, like, if I have a bad event, I just, I've got to get to another one to like mentally get right again, because it's, it's just like, it'll drive me absolutely insane. And it's the same way when you have a good event, like you can't wait to get to another one. Uh, the difference is being able to separate the two. Like you have a bad event. Like I remember last year, I got my butt kicked at Okeechobee. And then, like, I had to haul butt straight from Okeechobee to Gunnersville to fish a Toyota series. I think that's – I'm pretty sure that's – they all kind of blend together. But I know I got my butt kicked in Florida, and I had to haul butt to, like, Tennessee or Alabama to go fish another tournament. But it was great because I was so frustrated. I was so mad because at Okeechobee, I, it just didn't go the way that I had any plans mm -hmm. to go in. But I was able to get in the truck. I was ticked off, so I drove all night. Got there the next day practice all day and I just started fresh like I was able to flush that like get rid of it Okeechobee's gone it's done it's a new week it's a new tournament let's get this train rolling back in the right direction let's get back in the right mindset let's go have a good event and and at times sometimes it doesn't work that way you go have another bad event but you got to keep going you flush that one let's go to another one and you eventually get the train rolling in the right direction whereas if I'd have went home and sat around and kicked rocks for a month or two like you sit there and you just you dwell on that negative experience and i, I don't think you get rid of it as easily you know mm -hmm. that's good stuff we're talking with bpt pro dakota ebear uh when we come back i want to get into the numbers i mentioned it but uh seven top six finishes between the pro circuit the bpt and the toyota series just in 2022 alone and you're not done yet uh, that is, that is something that, uh, uh, there's not many people, uh, that can lay claim to that many top six finishes. I could do one, two, three. I could do six top fives. Do you like seven top sixes or six top fives? Which sounds better? <laughs> the six top fives, <laughs> I guess they pay better. <laughs> right. I actually, I actually tied with Zach. 
at the at the uh, BPT event at Cayuga. I unfortunately lost a tiebreaker, but uh, I was kind of ticked about that. Like it should. Oh, for another top five. Yeah, it would have been all fives, but okay. Well, yes. Details here or there, but uh, we'll be back. We'll talk about that uh, and the incredible uh, 2022 season with Dakota Ebear. Uh, it's BTL on a Monday. We'll be back right after this. Your key to better fishing this season is Elite FS, now available at a new lower price. Get Elite FS9 today for $9.99, and we'll throw in a CMAP reveal chart, our premium mapping solution for free. Elite FS works with all state-of-the-art Lorenz sonar, from chirp, side-scan, and down-scan imaging with fish reveal to high-resolution active target live sonar. Elite FS9 and CMAP reveal. Offer ends August 31st. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. When you're catching fish for a living, you can't let a little cold, rain, heat, humidity, or anything else get in the way of a payday. I wear AFCO. Any fish, any water. The KVD 100 Jerkbait. 15 different colors. A perfect combination of roll, wiggle, and flash. Increased castability. 3D eyes. Premium black nickel hooks. KVD. Tie one on. Striking lures. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? Well, the Bass Tank is here to help you. The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. Get the best patterns backed by tournament data. Start by finding the best 10% of your lake. Know exactly what to look for and what to throw. After that, you just put them in the boat. Try the Deep Dive app today. Look at that beast right there. Welcome back, BTL. Talking with Dakota Ebear. Did you see this year coming? Like, did you go into 2022 like, I'm a rookie on the BPT. I've made it to the top level. I'm going to just start caving in heads. Or is this resume that you've amassed that I've mentioned a couple times even surprised you? Man, I mean, I, I'll, I'll say that as humbly as possible. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I asked I don't the question, it, so answer it honestly. It's not, yeah, not bragging. I don't, take, 
I don't take it for granted at all because, you know, this is fishing. And you don't think it'll humble you. You just go out there one day without that mentality, and I promise you get your butt kicked. And I've had a couple bad events this year. You know, I didn't really – I didn't do well at Pickwick, and I didn't do well at Texoma. But, man, like, I really have dedicated – my life to this since 2017 and i've invested a lot in it and it's I, I can't even begin to calculate the amount of hours i've spent on the water um and the amount of time and preparation i've put in for this so it's it is really really uh it, it's encouraging to it encourages me to work even harder to see your fruits of your labor actually coming to be and to see the needle move and to see the success so that just motivates me to work even harder you know um but Man, I, I'm not going to say that I expected it, but I did not expect it either, you know, because you never know how it's going to go. You never know when you're going to have boat trouble or something crazy like that. But, you know, whenever you work really hard for something, you know, it, it it's a direct result of your effort, I should say, mm -hmm. I feel like, you know. You're already 16 events into your season. Like, you fished 16 events. At, at, if you fish a BFL, you threw it in there. It was a horrible event. You only finished 12th. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I caught, like, a 10-pounder, though. If I wouldn't have caught a 10-pounder there, I think I would have, like, I was, like, a 9-something. If I wouldn't have caught that. Did you that, get Big Bass? I, I, no. Oh. It was a Rayburn, dude. Oh, okay. I was being <laughs> facetious. That's a solid finish, especially at a BFL. Was that one of those that had, like, 300 boats in it, too? I don't remember how many they have, but it was some hammers for yeah. sure. You don't, you don't, you don't show up at Rayburn and not catch them. <laughs> and, right, or but you're butt kicked. That's a lot of that's a lot of events, fifteen, sixteen events. Because so take that and then take the travel. So if a lot of the days you're fishing, uh, three, three or four days on that. So I mean that is a lot of practice and tournament days on the water already, and we're still in August. Well, I'm actually at. I've been fishing probably more events than that, you know, on average per year. I've been fishing around 21 to 24 events a year. That's like um, one every other week for 12 months out of the year. Yeah. And so, and so that's when I say like, you know, when I see, and I've, I've been very fortunate to have a great year, but it's like, man, I, I've worked my butt off. And if you're not getting better and you're not getting to that point, like it's, I would be very discouraged, you know, now it's not, I'm not always going to have good years like this, but I just think that the time that I've spent on the waters allowed me to figure out what is like, what works for me. And it's finally like starting to really click for me. Uh, just confidence in yourself, I think is huge, you know, and, and knowing that you can compete with these guys. I just think that makes it all the difference in the world. And the more events you go to, the more confidence you gain. And the more you start to figure out what your system or your program needs to be to be successful. All right, you got uh, Rayburn, Cayuga, Watts Bar, Lake Fork, St. Lawrence River, Champlain, and the James River. Those are all your your single-digit finishes this year. Wide variety of fisheries, completely different times of the year. Some of them have a little bit of similarities. To, when you look back on your year so far and the quality finishes that you've had, is there any thread that kind of ties them all together? Has there been uh, a system, a technique, a bait, a strategy that you're like, holy cow, it worked here, and you roll into the next one, and it worked there too, or has it been uh, a hodgepodge everywhere you go? I, I think it's a, a, a mentality thing. You know, I left Watts Bar, I fished ledges there and brush piles, and I left Watts Bar, I went straight to the James River, and I was slipping a, you know, one ounce weight with a with braid and, you know, big flipping stick. So there there is no similarities whatsoever huh. as far as the fishing goes between Watts Bar and the James River. 
there was no similarity leaving the James River and going to Champlain um, as far as the fishing technique goes. I think it goes into the mentality, uh, just having a positive mentality um, and just fishing freely. And I think that the variety of fisheries that I've went to over the last several years has taught me that I have to fish freely. You can't get dialed in on something at Okeechobee or have or in Florida at Harris Chain and ride that route like that pattern on up to the Tennessee River the next week and fish a cold weather tournament after you just left, you know, a spawn tournament. Mm-hmm. You and I've had to do that so much in the last several years that I think that um, it's taught me to fish freely and to not get too dialed in on anything in particular, get to where you're, you're stuck on any one particular pattern or certain fishing style. It's really just taught me to fish, uh, fish the day and fish the moment and to, you know, just stay with an open mind. And I think that if anything has helped me be successful over the wide range of fisheries that you just named, it's that right there. Just having an open mindset, being confident that, you know, you know what to look for. Um, and, and just going fishing. And, and I think that's been the, the separation between, between um, the success that I've been able to have at different fisheries. That's really interesting. Uh, it's, a, it's a comfort level. So, you know, like I fished the opens and I fished a lot some, and I like, like this year I fished a lot less. I've just kind of focused on the opens. I've, I haven't been able to get mm-hmm. in, but it, it seems like you see these guys and it's like the more time you spend behind the wheel so like take it take another sport for instance like I played hockey growing up right mm-hmm. so like when I, when right. I was a center but when I moved to left wing I, I sucked at it like in college because I was thinking get to the wall chip the puck out make sure I stay in my lane back check when I played something and I just instinctually thought center like whenever I was playing well I was never thinking about what I was supposed to be doing you were just able right. to go out and perform and it seems like that much time in the boat like you're you're starting at a level that's a lot higher than a lot of the guys without that much time. And not to say that because everybody got to that level at some point has mm-hmm. spent it, but like you are so dialed in right now that you're just not taking for granted, but there are just a, you're starting ahead just because of the comfort level and the times your knowledge base and c- confidence, it never goes down. Like it's, it's just a constant climb instead of, you know, up and then weeks off and then up and then you're off for a couple of weeks. It's, it's just interesting to see a guy like who's just so dialed in on that. There. And I, and I can't say that it's not a constant, it's, it's not really a constant. Like it is a, the overall picture, but there's bad days, right? There's days where you don't catch them and then you got to go back out the next day and you, you know, you, you, maybe you smash them in or something. Yeah, but or you're out the not, next day. That's the key, Dakota. You're out the, the next, next day, day. Yeah. because it, you're able to continue. Even, it might even be within the day, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you you lose a couple. Like, you take the championship day, for example, at Watts, or I mean, at uh, the St. Lawrence River the other day. Like, my time on the water allowed me to, to keep the train from absolutely. We lost Dakota there. We'll move them. Maybe we'll get Dakota back. All right, we're going to take our second break of the show, and hopefully we can get Dakota's stream back on. Like I said, we did this five times yesterday, and we got through it. So we got through half the show here. So we're going to take our second break of the show. When we come back, hopefully we'll get uh, Dakota's breakdown of the St. Lawrence River. I also want to uh, I want to ask him about the close calls. We got a second, a third, a second, another 
second, a third, a sixth, like that's all like basically kind of one fish away from having a lot of wins, and he has yet to notch a major win. So we will ask Dakota about that when we come back. It is BTL on a Monday. We'll be back right after this. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. The new Android series is the peak of the Denali lineup and offers the ultimate Denali experience. The Android series features 36-ton multi-directional graphite combined with interlock blank technology for added strength. Each rod is outfitted with royal titanium guides that will not fail. The blank is fitted into an easy-touch, soft-feel EVA foam grip with exposed blank reel seat. This all allows the Android to transmit every movement of your bait and even the most subtle bites. The Android series is the finest rod Denali has ever made and offers an angler the ultimate fishing experience with a limited lifetime warranty. See the full lineup of Android rods at DenaliRods.com. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xzonelures.com and check them out for yourself. Vibrating jigs are a great choice for any time of year, and the Kamikaze Swim-On is a perfect match for any vibrating jig. Two sizes and the unique tail design gives it a bait fish profile and a great swimming action for realism. There are 17 colors. See them all at BigBiteBaits.com. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years, and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat, so you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro's coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the matte sexy shad just a really different looking color for a crankbait so you want to give them a little different look that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with all these colors are available in the original little john and the md combining one of the most popular hook styles with gamakatsu's beefier superline offering the gamakatsu superline offset round bend delivers the strength necessary to target big fish in heavy cover well suited for braided line and heavier fluorocarbon, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bed is built using stronger Superline wire that allows anglers to easily fish a finesse worm around heavy cover. 
The round band offers a larger bite area, perfect for any worm presentation, while increasing your hookup ratios. The newly enhanced Z-Band holds your plastics on the hook longer, reducing the number of pull-offs and reducing damage to plastics. Available in 2-aught, 3-aught, 4-aught, and 5-aught, this is the most durable worm hook, designed for heavier lines that hold your bait on longer. Preparation is key to success. And that preparation starts well before you ever hit the water. You're only as strong as your connection to the fish, and your line is that critical connection. Confidence in your line every minute of every day on the water is a necessity, and failure, it's not an option. Sunline makes the fluorocarbon, nylon, and braided lines to give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Welcome back, BTO, closing out the final segment. And we got through 38 minutes of it, but we're we're back. You were, we lost you just in the peak. You were just about to make a, a monumental point about keeping the train on the tracks in your recent uh, close call, the second place uh, finish in the uh, title championship. To uh, I got to say it. I mean, I know it stinks to lose, but a very well-deserved Spencer Shuffield. The guy's been around for forever, family with an incredible pedigree in professional bass fishing. Uh, he talked about some of his trials and tribulations and the path to the top there. Uh, so congratulations to Spencer there. But uh, you had an opportunity to finish first then, but you also had an opportunity to finish 10th is kind of what you guys that kind of where you were going with that, Dakota? Yeah, that's the point I was trying to make with that, man, is that like, you know, sometimes in your career and day, like it, you're going to have bad events, you're going to have bad years. We were just talking about that. You're going to have bad days, but your overall attitude is what, you know, separates guys that have continued success and the guys that don't. We all have a ability to catch bass. It's not that hard. We all go out there with our buddies and we catch the heck out of them. You lose one, you don't think about it. You just keep fishing the same way mm -hmm. and everything goes fine. We have fun and everything. When they're in a tournament situation, that's whenever it's very difficult sometimes to keep the train on the tracks. And, you know, I had an opportunity to probably put that thing away by nine o'clock that morning. Oh, and wow. I knew that. Uh, and it was very, very difficult. It was very, very hard for me to kind of get out of my pity party and get everything rolling in the right direction but i never quit fishing i kept trying i went and got fuel at about 12 45 and within the last 45 minutes of fishing i went from being you know what would probably been eighth or ninth place to second and still almost having a chance to win uh it was spencer's time i'm, I'm super happy for him congratulations he definitely deserved it you know so i don't really think about that but i'm just saying my point of the story is that was the difference in me you know getting eighth or ninth place money and getting second place money so you know it just comes down to having a good mental attitude staying positive working hard and never giving up if it's something you really want to do and that and that's what separates everybody i think yeah so incredible resume you have uh, uh over 20 top 10 finishes uh but there are the w's are not there you've talked about the close call there i mean dude you've been like a fish away this year is that something that is is a motivation is that something that ticks you off is it high on your list of things to do is get the first place trophy or i, I don't even know how to approach that really because i mean I'm, i feel like i'm nitpicking here with so many top fives but obviously when you go out the goal is to finish first right yeah no doubt i'd say it's all of those emotions in one you know it's very encouraging because um and it's it's good because i have to you know have to win and or i have to you know have good finishes to make enough money to keep doing this you know so that 
that's all encouraging, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, as a competitor, you want to win. Like, I, I want to be the best. I mean, I'm not out here to finish second. I, I'm not, I don't get up every morning before daylight and put my boat in the water thinking, man, I hope I finish second this week. Like, you know, you're, you're in the back of your mind. You know, hey, if I finish second, like, that's a good week. But it's not what the goal is, you know. And um, I just think that it's all part of the process. I think it'll all happen if it's meant to be in due time. I've just got to continue doing my part. And and I can't say that it doesn't frustrate me a little bit that I haven't. But that's human, right? That's just yeah. human nature. But at the same time, like, it's encouraging that I've had some success that's allowed me to keep going. And I think that, you know, if I keep working hard and I do my part and it's meant to be, it'll happen whenever it's meant to be. It's a weird, <clears throat> weird thing in fishing. I used to go back and forth with Mark Jeffries used to co-host the show with, or I used to co-host the show with him, was he went through a phase where it's like, man, if you don't win, it's a failure. Your goal is to go out to win. But then even towards the end, he started to say, you know, he got into the senior bowling thing and he would go and finish in the top 10 and be like, dude, that wasn't a failure. That was like awesome for me. And it's so weird in fishing, the fine line, just based on what happens over the day. Like you could finish eighth and be super thrilled with it, maximize your bites, leave it pumped up feeling good about yourself or you could finish second and just have that sick pit in your stomach no of doubt. what could have been it like fishing is one of those few things where it's just such a fine fine line and you can have the no same doubt. place finish but have totally different feelings about that same place finish depending on how things went down there's no doubt about that there's tournaments where i've left finishing 50th getting a 10 grand check going yeah. hey that was a good week you know like there's tournaments where i've left finishing second going you know completely ticked off so, you know, there is a fine line there. It just depends, you know, as a whole, I think consistency, I mean, obviously, like, of course, I'm going to say that because that's just my only thing I have to go by right now because I don't have a bunch of wins. All I have is consistency. But I think that consistency is what is needed to have longevity in the sport. And that's what I want. I want a career out of this sport. I want to be able to continue to do this for a living for a long time, to be able to raise a family doing it and accomplish my own financial goals doing it. And in order to do that, I feel like I need to be consistent. And, um, you know, I think that's that's something that goes a long ways. Um, but I hope to have the wins to go with it, too, eventually. Yeah, we talked about the almost 10-pounder that you caught uh, on Rayburn, and that wasn't the big bass I planned on talking about today obviously that would be the 710 smallmouth that you caught uh on Cayuga dude that's literally like you'll never catch a bigger one that's fish of a lifetime no that's fish of a lifetime it really was it you know during practice I I thought to myself I was like man you know I might catch my personal best this week I really said that but my personal best that time was six seven I still a big one Still, yeah, but I, I thought, like, I, I mean, I didn't catch a bunch of big ones because I'm not a big, like, catch a bunch of fish in practice guy. You'll never hear me going around saying, oh, man, I had 24 pounds in practice or 20. I, nah, dude, I'm like, oh, no. I'm lucky if I catch one or two in practice just because I don't, I just don't get into all that. But, like, I did catch, like, a a, a five-pounder or something, and I, and I shook off the rest of them, and I was like, man, they feel big. Um and I just jokingly said to myself, I was like, man, you might catch your personal best if you just dedicate yourself to smallmouth. Did I think I was going to catch a 7-10? Heck no. Like, I thought maybe like a 6-10 or something like that. But, hey, I'll take her. When you first see it, obviously the smallmouth typically clear water, so you get a glimpse of them, right? You get a, you can tell, obviously, that they're big, but then they, they come yeah. up next to that boat and their feet, you know, the thing's not over yet. You still have 
a lot of time left after you get a look at him. But what was the first thing that went through your head when you got an absolute like broadside look at that fish before you'd even put your hands on her? Well, it was actually like she was pretty close to the boat and it was pretty close to me catching her when I first seen her. She tried to come up as soon as I, if you can watch the video, like as yeah. soon as I hit her, like I'm reeling as fast as I can to try to catch up to her. And then she went back down. I never saw her. And then she did that about two or three times throughout the fight. And it made me think like this is a bass, but it felt like a big drum or a big catfish just because it was so heavy. And, uh, when I first saw her, you know, it was right before I actually grabbed her. And, and it was kind of one of the moments where you see a five pounder and you're like, Oh God, I got to have this one's going to really help me on the tournament. Whenever I seen that one, it was like, this is a freak of nature. Like I've got to get this thing. It wasn't like a freak out moment. It was like kind of enjoying pumped in. It was like, all right, get this. Don't screw this up, you know, type deal. And, uh, just man. And then being in tournament mode, like all I could think about was, all right, that's great. Let's get another one. Like I'm trying to win this thing and Dustin's running away with it. So I wish I'd have took some pit more pictures and like got better, uh, you know, like some measurements on her or something, but, overall it was still a great experience and uh yeah just really thankful for that i mean that was kind of definitely one of the highlights of the year for sure i mean yeah in hindsight a replica that would be pretty nice there on the wall behind you yeah it would it would actually it'd be pretty cool but <laughs> i don't have any fish mounted. i don't have any replicas of any of the fish really? I've here at Raver, not you know I, I don't know man i just don't i, don't, I just throw them back and, I don't think about well it. yeah i mean you're around where you catch big ones i've got the i got a nine pounder from illinois that I caught when yeah. I was 17 in a tournament, nine pounder out of central Illinois. They got a replica of that. And then That's I actually cute. have a skin mount of a four pound smallmouth. That was the first four pound smallmouth I ever caught. My dad said he'd mount it. And I was like 12 up in Canada, caught it on a floating Rapala. Uh, and those yeah. are the only two that I've got, but yeah. I've, I've, That's really it, cool though. Yeah. So do, you got big bass for, you got big bass for the tournament for that. So that paid about a grand or something. Four grand, three grand, four grand, something okay. like that. But other than that, it just counted towards seven ten. Yeah, yeah, that's all it counted towards towards then, because uh, I still lost by quite a bit. So I mean, yeah. it was like as soon as I, you know, all right, cool, that's great. Got to go catch more, you know. And so I was just in tournament mode, full on right then. And yeah. uh, but it was really awesome to catch it in that moment, like with a live <laughs> camera with me, you know, you know, on championship day at a, at a Bass Pro Tour event. I mean, that's really really kind of a cool cool moment as opposed to catching it while you're out fun fishing and you may or may not have a gopro footage of it but you know that was it was a really really neat experience i was i was looking back through the archives and they don't really keep species records but i think at the top level so it'd be like Bassmaster flw bpt right now i think it might be the biggest smallmouth that has ever been caught on camera definitely the biggest smallmouth ever caught live but yeah. I was trying to think, and like even in a tournament, and someone was telling me maybe Scott Dobson had like an eight pounder and a Toyota or BFL or something, or maybe some freaks out of St. Clair or something like that. But like in a top level tournament, I couldn't find anything in my research. I think I even asked Ken Duke about it, the, the master historian of all things bass fishing, about 710. I mean, I, I guess unofficially the biggest one ever. That's pretty At the cool, top man. level. Okay especially for a just old redneck from south louisiana you know i mean that's yeah, a guy cool, from south you know? louisiana catches it <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of like all the uh you know the, all the musky guys up north they all they get mad because all the bass anglers catch the big musky and then you know we just do it by accident you know but i'm up here you know not having a whole ton of smallmouth experience you know and but 
at the end of the day, I, I love catching smallmouth. I love fishing for them, and I fish for them every chance I get, especially up north. Now, down south, it's a little different because they get finicky. But up north, I just think it fits a lot of southern guys' like approach because they're so aggressive. If you're around them, they're going to bite. If you're not around them, if you're not getting bit, you're probably not around them. And if they're not going to bite, if they're not biting then, they're not going to. Like, just leave, come back later type thing. And I think that it just – it fits with like that power fishing mentality. Whenever you merge the two, I think that's what kind of allows a lot of guys from the South to have success up North fishing for them. That's good stuff. Uh, I definitely want to get in here. You have uh, kind of some unique, uh, unique sponsors there uh, that you're, you're wrapped with and things. And you mentioned at the beginning, how integral your, your sponsors were and be able to do this four or five years ago when you dove in uh, head first, but they have to be absolutely uh, elated with, uh, what you've been able to provide for them uh, this year throughout all your tournament success. Yeah, man. I mean, the success I've had this year, it, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful for that because I'm hoping that I'm able to give back to the guys that have supported me and helped me get here. You know, I mean, that's, I, I'm extremely thankful for all the support that I've, I've received from, and it's mainly non-endemic stuff. I mean, that's yeah. just, that's been my target um, for me personally, because um uh, just, you know, how tight knit the fishing industry is and how everything goes. And I mean, I really have, I mean, I'm kind of a young guy from the outside looking in that I don't, I didn't have a lot of those connections with people with certain companies and marketing connections and all that. So it was really a blessing for me to be able to get those non-endemic sponsors behind me and uh, allow me to get to this point, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm staying with him. He, you know, my title sponsor called me the other day. He's like, man, I'm not going to, you're going to, you're going to leave me or what? And I'm like, no, man, like you're good. Like you're staying there as long as you want to. Like I promise, you know, and, and, uh, he's been great. You know, it's Tiger Creek Lodge here at Sam Rayburn. Um, they have a great place where you can go and you can have a corporate trips. So have plenty of room for that. If you just want to go for the weekend with your family, it's just a great quiet place. Tuck back. It's on the lake here at Rayburn. You know, we've got mostly core of a core of engineer land, that surrounds the lakes. There's not a lot of Airbnb VRBO options. It's mm-hmm. mostly Corps of Engineer lands. I love it because I get to hunt all of it. That's yeah. what all this is. But uh, as far as your stay here, there's really not a lot of options. And so, you know, Tiger Creek provides a great place for that. And I'm I'm extremely thankful to be able to represent them as I travel across the country because we do have a phenomenal fishery here. And uh, I'm, it's taught me so much about what I know. And, and the things that I, I apply in other areas of the country, that it's, it's a great place to live. It's a great place to visit. And uh, I'm just thankful that I can represent them well. Awesome. Well, heading into, you got a couple more weeks, and then you head into the final stop of the season uh, on Mille Lacs up there. Another opportunity for five-plus pounds smallmouth uh, and yeah. to close the season out uh, on a high note. Uh, anything else you want to get in here, Dakota? No, we've, we've got Malax coming up, which I'm excited about that. I've never been there, but, I mean, it should be a lot of fun. should be great. I'm going to go up there a couple of days early, fish some lakes around there. And then we've still got the Toyota Series Championship yeah. coming up. Pretty excited about that. Huge event. Like, how cool is that that you can fish the Toyota Series and qualify for an event, win $250,000 potentially, you know, by the time it's all said and done. That's awesome. Uh, but we've also got the General Tire Team Series coming up this, this oh, year yeah. with Major League Fishing. So that'll be, you know, we'll be busy with that in the fall. Uh, we're doing like a uh, pro baseball player event at Gunnersville at some point in November. So we've still got plenty of stuff going on. Um, yeah, we've got a lot of got a work left to a lot of work left to do, a lot of miles left to travel. But uh, 
it's it's been a great year so far. We're gonna hopefully keep it rolling and try to mix in a little deer hunting along the way somewhere in the next couple months. I would talk to you about deer hunting, but I know nothing about it, and I grew up in central <laughs> Illinois, so go figure that. That's like Dude, growing up on, on that's like man. growing up on Falcon and being a jet ski enthusiast. Yeah, we don't we don't bass this. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, who'd you, who did you end up getting, uh, I know they released the, the results of the draft on, uh, at ICAST and had kind of done mm-hmm. it before. Who's on your team? So it's, uh, Gerald Spore, Ish Monroe and myself. So oh, that's funny. I got your other, your other, uh, teammates are going to be on BTL next week in Gerald Spore. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No. So it's interesting dynamic. Uh, and Ish, you, Ish and Gerald. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. I'm not sure how that's going to go, but we're going to do our best. I guarantee you, if there's a power fishing bite, you guys will find hey, it. Hey, that's right. You know, if they, you know, if we can get on a frog bite somewhere, I'm going to tell you what, them boys are in trouble. You know what's interesting, though? Ish is one at Oneida. Gerald's favorite lake is Champlain, and you just caught yeah. a 710 out of Cayuga. So maybe yeah. you guys will give the northern guys a run for their money. Maybe so, man. There's no telling. You know, that's going to be a... A really interesting thing. I think the fans are going to really like that. I think, you know, a lot of the anglers are really excited about it. It's going to be a new thing for bass fishing. I mean, that's not something we're, we're used to doing at the top level, competing as a team and communicating on the water and all that stuff. I mean, you know how bass fishermen are. They're like the most secretive. Yeah. Like, they were all picking on thrift after the pilot episode because you know how secretive thrift is. And, like, he's over there just wailing on them, you know, and the guys in his team are, like, you know, on the mic. Oh, like, Dude, what are you throwing? It. What are you throwing? And he's like, uh, a jerk bait. Well, what kind of jerk bait? And he's like, just a uh, jerk bait. <laughs> yeah, just a jerk bait. Well, do you have any more? Uh, no. You know, like, dude, we're on the same it's team, you know. So, yeah, yeah, that's just, you know, so it'll be really fun to see a bunch of guys that are competing yep. by themselves all year, have throwing a dynamic of teamwork and stuff. And it, it'll be fun. All right. Well, dude, we got through the second half. We made it through. Great interview, like I said. We wanted to have you on. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Didn't understand the rodeo connection there. Killing it with a lot of room left. You could win the Toyota Championship and not even double your earnings for the year. That's how much you've won in the first half, which is absolutely crazy considering that's a quarter mil. That would be a great end to the season, man. But thanks for having me. It's been great. And uh, looking forward to doing another show in the future. All right. Thanks, Dakota. See you. All right, that was Dakota Ebear working through uh, some te- technological glitches. Like I said, worst thing that's happened to him all year. Crazy, uh, uh, crazy year that he's having there, and it'll be interesting to see how he finishes things out. All right, this has been another episode of BTL. We will talk to you guys later.